0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Varying Viewpoints, sponsored by the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Institute for Leadership, Equity, and Justice at Rutgers University. I'm your host, Morgan Beatty, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a John Smart summer scholar at the Proctor Institute and Rutgers Center for Minority Serving Institutions. With me today, I have my mentor, Dr. Tim Fahm, who is an Ethnic Studies Professor and the Director of the Full Circle Project at Sacramento State University. Um, did you want to touch on a little bit more about your um, bio and your experience working at Sac State?
1: Sure. I, I'll just mention that I've been at Sac State for uh, quite a while. I'm a professor of ethnic studies with a particular focus on Asian American studies. I, um, t- about 12 years ago, created the Full Circle Project, uh, which was funded by a federal uh, department of education Grant, an Anapezi Grant, um, Asian American, Native American, Pacific Islander serving institution. Um, Grant or Anapezi. Uh, we've been in existence for um, since 2011 when we uh, received the funding, and we've received three grants. And um, very proud of the work that we've been doing at Sacramento State with the Full Circle Project to uh, support low income and first-generation, underrepresented and underserved Asian-American and Pacific Islander uh, students here on our campus.
0: Thank you. And I wanted to also um, clarify that today's topic is research versus teaching. uh, And we're going to be dissecting the first-generation graduate student experience. Um, So I'm going to get started on our first question. um, And it is, what in your eyes are the main differences between research teaching, and in comprehensive institutions?
1: Okay. Um, research institutions, or they're also called R1s, these are um, institutions that uh, the main focus is on research. Uh, they tend to be considered, uh, and I, I don't like using this term, but I'll use it here, um, more elite institutions, um, that the applicant, uh, the students who apply, uh, the Acceptance rate is relatively low, um, and um, they have a, a relatively high criteria for uh, entering, particularly as an undergraduate. So, Ivy League schools like Harvard and Princeton, um, uh, Yale, are um, R1s. Are I can speak about California specifically. Um, California has a three tiered system, which actually is exactly what we're talking about here. The University of California system um, flagship campuses are Berkeley and UCLA. Um, They are considered research institutions or R1s. Um, Comprehensive institutions are the uh, universities like Sacramento State where I work and Morgan you have uh, attended um, attended, uh, classes. You got your graduate degree here at Sacramento State. Um, is Sacramento State is a state university, California State University, and is considered a comprehensive. What that means is that we have um, we have a, 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 a more of an emphasis on teaching compared to a research institution, where teaching is 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 fairly um, not, high, not 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 um, highlighted. Uh, faculty teach relatively low number of classes, and they are expected to publish and to bring in grants um, pu- uh, Teaching is not a high priority, and um, quite honestly, a lot of teaching is done by the graduate students at a comprehensive institution like Sacramento State. Um, it is basically a hybrid. We uh, focus on teaching number one uh, so excellence in teaching is prioritized but Research is also value. Um, You can be a great teacher at Sacramento State, but you won't get tenure. You will not get promotion if you don't publish. Um, And so there is um, also intention on um, creating new knowledge and um, as well as service to the university and service to the community. So a comprehensive institution like Sacramento State like all of the California State University, uh, uh, all 23 campuses, really have to do everything. Teach, research, and service. That's how we are evaluated. um, And that's how, um, that is the institution um, that uh, we are. Um, Teaching institutions are community colleges, typically um, two-year institutions, and they are exclusively teaching. Uh, They there is no research uh, expectation at all, and so their teaching load is typically five courses per semester if we're looking at semester, or ten classes a year, which is quite high. At a California State University or a comprehensive, it's between two to four courses a uh, a semester, um, four to eight courses per year, it depends on the department. It depends on if you're teaching graduate students or not. Uh, so there's some variation. But a research institution, their teaching load is quite limited. Um, they may teach one class a semester or one class per quarter. Um, it's it's fairly nominal, uh, the, teaching, uh, the teaching load for a research institution. So in essence, the difference, um, if you want to look at hierarchy. Um, Research institutions are are, are more privileged. Um, comprehensive institutions are, are sort of in between, and then um, the teaching institutions, as I said, are community colleges. And um, in terms of prestige and funding, um, there's a hierarchy there as well.
0: Thank you for that response. It's really thorough and helpful. So. I kind of want to know um, about your experience as a, a graduate student, if like if you mind thinking thinking a little back, because I know you have been a faculty member for for a while. But how do you think um, these differences between um, institutions affect first generation graduate students? From like your experience as a as a first gen grad student, and from your experience as a faculty teaching um, first generation students. Oh,
1: okay, that's a very good question. I should mention that. Uh, I'm in California. I teach at California State University, Sacramento. I've actually gone through all the systems in California. I actually went to community College um, uh, for, I think it was three years, and uh, tried to figure out what I wanted to do, and then um, transferred to a comprehensive institution. Um, at that time, it was a California State University. Uh, transferred there and got my uh, undergraduate degree. I actually got a master's degree. At, uh, at a CSU or California State University as well. So I had that graduate experience. Um, I then went off and worked for about five years. Um, I worked as a journalist before I, I got my PhD, but eventually I did get a PhD and that was at UC Berkeley. So um, the, so I have gone through all the uh, systems in uh, California and it, it, it is exactly the research, comprehensive, and teaching institutions. I am also should mention a first generation and uh, low income. Um, My, neither of my parents went to college. Um, My mother finished high school, my father never did. Um, You know, they they were working, Um, they they both worked. My father um, was a janitor and my mother worked as a a part-time clerk in a uh, public school. So, The experiences uh, that I had are basically all the different systems um, and coming in as a um, low income as well as first generation um, college student.
0: What was your experience like um, during that time? Mm -hmm. Like as a a graduate student, as a first generation graduate student.
1: Okay. Okay. because i I had no experience with college i am actually the youngest in my family, but so I have two siblings, neither of whom went to college uh, or finished college. My sister actually uh, finished after I did uh, my brother never did um so I had no experience whatsoever um and quite honestly, in my parents' experience, they always value education, but they never n- could explain what that meant so that was always difficult um the one college graduate um in my family was my uncle and he had an associate's degree so he only had an uh he had a two-year degree and to my parents that was a that was college that's what they knew um so I started off with community college because honestly I that's all I knew to do. Um, I ex you know I did spend three years at a community college which is you know longer than normal. I obviously the ideal is two years. But I was trying to explore what I wanted to do, um, and it's actually when I um, was at community college, and I had a great experience there. I mean, I, I I honestly believe that the teaching quality is equal in all the different levels, and it is unfortunate that we have this hierarchy, and and that includes um, the, the um, um, status as well as salary. Um, but I had a very good experience in all the all the systems. Um, The reason why I went to a four-year institution is because I I, I took a course as a community college student in human development, and I really enjoyed it. And I found out that the um, local CSU in my area, it was called Cal State Hayward at the time. It's now Cal State East Bay. Um, I grew up in Oakland, by the way, so that was the closest CSU. Um, They had a major in human development. And that's how I got there. It's because I, I decided I wanted to major in human development. Um, I had a wonderful experience at uh, Cal State Hayward, uh, um, uh, Cal State East Bay. Um, it was um, a very unique program in the sense that we had big seminars that were team taught by the faculty. And then on Fridays, we had uh, smaller seminars with faculty. So it actually really was not that different from... Um, from a research institution where they they do similar sort of um, teaching, um, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the faculty, um, and honestly, that's where I thought or was thinking, hmm, maybe I'd like to have a life as a faculty member. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what I didn't know anything about a Ph.D. either. Um, so. Um, If I go on to the story that what I what happened was I got my undergraduate degree um, and then I I got a master's in public administration at Cal State Hayward as well. Uh, And again, had a very good uh, experience there. Um, But what was interesting there was that um, I also got uh, when I was in graduate school in public administration, I thought at the time I'd just be working as a, you know, for this government or you know city or county or state. Um, but I took a course called Cinema Language, which I thought, what a fun class to take while I was taking all these other classes on budgeting and policy and everything else. And I thought it'd be film criticism. I thought, well, OK, I'd just be watching movies and that'd be fine. That's just a nice distraction. It turned out it was a filmmaking class. And so I just wound up really enjoying that um, and got very involved with uh, media production on our campus. Um, and. I was doing that while I was getting my master's at the same time. Um had the opportunity to do that. Um I tend to finish things and I start, so I didn't I didn't drop the um the master's in public administration. I continued that. But I started doing a lot more work with media and really journalism. Um so after I got my master's degree uh in public administration, I had this background in media, I actually um Started working as a as a journalist for about five years, and uh, enjoyed that time. And this is sort of the longer story. But what happened was one of the stories I did, uh, I interviewed a couple graduate students, PhD students at UC Berkeley. And honestly, I did not know what a PhD was. I had no clue. Um, but after interviewing with them and um, you know getting to know them, they I remember I remember they said, "Oh, you should." looking at the PhD program in Ethnic Studies at, at Berkeley, because uh, my work was really around uh, race relations. Uh, my journalism work was focused on that. I had no idea what that what that was about. Um, but be that as it may, I applied. Um, I didn't know any better. Um, I know nowadays people who are interested in graduate school, or doctoral programs, they apply to several of them. Uh, back in the day when I applied, I didn't know any better. I just applied to Berkeley, and that was it. That's all I did. Um, and fortunately, I got in to Berkeley in the PhD program in ethnic studies. The interesting thing is that it was a relatively new program. I think uh, it was the first PhD program in ethnic studies in the nation, and I was probably like the third cohort. Um Focusing on so the differences between research comprehensive and teaching institutions is that I was told later uh, later on by a, a colleague of mine who was a graduate student in the doctoral program but was on the hiring uh, in the um, selection committee um, that I almost didn't get accepted because I went to a, a CSU or a comprehensive. They were only looking for people at research institutions, and so I almost didn't get in, but. Fortunately, because I worked as a journalist and published um, some articles that were um, you know, in, 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 the, in the local newspapers, people knew about me through my writing. But if it wasn't for that, I suspect I would not have gotten into the, um to the PhD program at Berkeley. Um, so there's always been sort of this uh, understanding that I had that there was this ugly hierarchy or um uh, in 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 education, if you want to look at ugly edu- uh, 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 ugly inequality in the United States, just look at higher education and the elitism and and so sort of the different status um and as a first generation student, I didn't know those things when I started i mean I, I had to learn them by going to community college and then going to a cSU and then uh, eventually going to the phd program um I will say that my my preparation at a community college and at a cSU, was excellent. I mean, I, I did well it, 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 um, in the doctoral program. Um, even though I have to say, um, there was a bit of um, imposter syndrome. That was probably in the environment as well. That oh, you know, we only want to take the best and the brightest, and only from from you know uh, research institutions and, and um, Ivy League schools. Um, but. I was successful um, because I had a good background, a good educational background. I did not have the theory part um, at all, so I had to learn that. But the advantage for me was that I knew how to write and write well because I worked as a journalist. So that was that made it very uh, helpful for me. And in fact, I was in the third cohort. I believe I was one of the first people to actually earn the Ph.D. in Ethnic Studies. I believe I was the first person who actually came up with a book after my um dissertation. So um, long story short, I mean, I've gone through all the systems. I believe that there's quality in all of them, but I also believe that um, a lot particularly a lot of first generation low-income students don't get the opportunity to um, advance in, in in higher education that um, I was fortunate um, to be able to do.
0: You kind of touched on. This a little bit, but did you have anything else to add on um, the question of what are the benefits or deficits of obtaining your graduate degree at an institution that primarily focuses on teaching um, and or research? I know you just like touched on it a little bit, but did you want to add anything mm-hmm. else to that?
1: Yeah, I mean there is there is research that show that student low income and first generation students, no matter what how qualified they are, uh, may not be. Um, willing or able to apply for research institutions. They do cost more. Um, I had no idea about financial aid. Um, and I just didn't know any better so I worked my way through school. Um, my parents obviously didn't know um, what that entailed as well. Um, so really honestly what, what I guess getting back to your question is that for low-income first-generation students um, Particularly in the um, uh, prior to college, is a, a better understanding of what options there are, and what opportunities there are in terms of costs, um, expectations. Um, I honestly, I will say, I do not believe that I worked harder at a research one or or, or my PhD program than I did as an undergraduate, and, and to a certain extent, the community college. I think I got a good education all the way through. Um, I I just lucked into advancing into a PhD. Um, but I I would like to see more opportunities for for um, low income first generation students who are qualified who can do the work. I'm not at California at Sacramento State where where I teach, and um, Morgan where you got your master's degree and you got an undergraduate degree at a at a CSU at Sonoma State as well. The best students at our campus would do well anywhere, absolutely anywhere. Uh, I have no doubt about that. But I think for a variety of reasons, people choose to go to um, um, different institutions because that's, that's all they know. And again, I, I think um, uh, uh, we'll touch on this maybe a little later on, but with the uh, uh, overturning of uh, affirmative action, you're gonna see less, students of color in research institutions. You're going to see fewer low-income, first-generation students at research one institutions. Um, The other thing I should mention is the research institutions, that's where you get a PhD. So I went there only because of the PhD. Um, At Comprehensives, um, we do not, uh, by law, we can provide graduate degrees, masters, and what we call applied doctorates. So education, um, physical therapy, uh, things like that, but but not not an academic PhD. You can only get that at a research institution.
0: Does that law have to do with the um, University of California system?
1: No, it's it's. Uh, I think you're familiar with it. It's the uh, oh, master right. plan, uh, California master plan for higher education. It dictates what um, each system can do. So, for example, community colleges uh, t- typically do not offer bachelor's degrees, uh, although that's changing a little bit. Um, CSUs or, or comprehensives, we can offer bachelor's degrees as well as master's and, as I said, um, applied doctorates, whereas a, a Research One institution would, um, pro- would be able to um, uh, pro- uh, provide um, bachelor's degrees, master's, and PhDs. So again, it, it, it's just basically um, um, uh, application of hierarchy.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, like, as you mentioned, I got my master's at Sac State and it is a te- teaching institution. And um, my experience there was good because I got to um, speak directly with professors and I wasn't just like one of a hundred, over a hundred students in the, in the classroom. Um, but I kind of want to know um, how can teaching institutions that offer graduate programs like the CSU system provide more effective resources to their graduate student populations because I often found that most resources gravitated towards undergraduates because that made up majority of the population.
1: Right, exactly. And again, this hierarchy uh, is not only in, you know, alleged status, but funding. Um, The the, the research institutions have a lot more funding, um, both by the state and, but especially private funding or government funding, because there is, it is fairly, you know, there's a lot of money in government research um, dollars, and so um, it's highly privileged to get, say, for example, five million dollars National Science Foundation grant, um, and um, and that really is very much what the research institutions do. There's a lot of resources for that. Um, they have really um, well developed research offices that help faculty um, pro, um, write or um, uh, receive the grants um, at a comprehensive, I think it's not as developed, although it's beginning to, um, there are some um, comprehensives that are, um, you know, very involved with um, with research. Um, so we're not excluded from that, but it's not the highest priority. And quite honestly, for faculty members, research, um, is important, but but, but teaching is, is uh, obviously the first priority. Um, but again, things are shifting a little bit because there is so much money to be um, uh, received through uh, grants, and uh, particularly uh, federal, state, and, and public funding as well. And, and in some cases, it might even be corporate funding for research. Um, and that's what generates the biggest dollars. So, um, when you are at uh, Sacramento State, you're getting your master's in education. Um, th- there is obviously funding for uh, education research, um, but um, you know the, the the resources at a research institution, particularly for graduate students, is that's really their their, their highest priority. I mean, even though they have more more undergraduates than graduate students. The graduate students are the ones who, who eventually bring in, help bring in a lot of the money. Um, and so there is support for that. Um, I know when you are a graduate student, there wasn't a lot of scholarships. Um, there wasn't a lot of financial support, which is unfortunate. Um, in research institutions, there is more um, funding for doctoral students in particular. Um, in terms of grants, but also um, teaching assistants, research assistant positions that the California State University just doesn't have the resources for.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense when you talk about the differences. Because as a as a first generation student myself, I didn't really understand or know there was a difference between um, institutions, and I just like found out what an AAU institution is too. I I had no idea what that was because mm. coming from like. The CSU system—that's that's all I really
1: know. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't—I don't really uh, want to say that any system's better than the other. Um, like I said my, my my education was excellent all the way through, um, but I think I that it's limiting when we have when we don't have the information that you know we don't. At least I didn't have parents who went to college. I remember when I um as i said my parents got a, an aa degree and associates with a college degree and that's all you needed and then once i finished my bachelor's degree they, they were very proud and then i said i'm going to go on for a master's degree and i remember my father said i thought you finished college and so you know they had no idea all the different levels as well and so i don't want to artificially put a ceiling on people that isn't That doesn't have to be there and I think people uh, that that does happen particularly for students who are low-income and first-generation and predominantly students of color.
0: So you mentioned that um, research institutions have more um, I guess like funding and money for grad students. So um, how can research institutions I guess even though they have that funding and money I'm still wondering how can they better support their first-generation graduate students through teaching and uh, resources because um, first-gen graduate students don't have as much experience, or don't have parents that can, you know, help them mm-hmm. throughout that um, getting that college mm-hmm. degree.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, this is really uh, this is very timely uh, in your question because you know the Supreme Court uh, overturned affirmative action or, or uh, ended affirmative action, and um, if you the, one of the things about the different systems of research, comprehensive and teaching. You also see the, the student demographics. I mean, look, the research institutions are predominantly white institutions. Um, um, in California, um, um, white and Asian. Um, and the CSUs um, um, are quite a bit more, they're a hybrid, I mean, quite honestly. Um, where we teach, where I am at Sacramento State, it, it actually does mirror the population, um, the student population, and that's good. That's really good. Um, teaching, in, uh, teaching students at like community colleges, that's overwhelmingly students of color. <laughs> overwhelmingly. Um, and so the hierarchy is not only in status and money, but also quite honestly, in terms of the student population. Um, so um, for s- to support um, first-generation students, low-income students, students of color, um, I think the ending of affirmative action is going to be very difficult um, nationally. I will highlight the fact that California had ended affirmative action uh, like 25 years ago, so um, the recent Supreme Court case um, still had still has an impact on California, but just not as extreme as maybe some other places. But um, at the Particularly research institutions, and especially in graduate school, uh, the the being able to uh, the, the, the population of of uh, students, the student population, demographics is very stark, starkly different um, than at comprehensive and at teaching institutions. Um, so the argument that has been made is affirmative action is needed to help balance that out to provide some of the opportunities that other people wouldn't have, and it's not it has never been. Affirmative action has never been about unqualified people getting taking job taking positions away from someone who's qualified. Everyone's qualified. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's ever been a problem. Um, it's just it's it's the um, um, lack of opportunity and um, that I think um, affirmative action tries to address. So going back to your original question is how to support low-income first generation. There needs to be, in um, California, now that it doesn't have a firm action, or didn't have a firm of action for 25 years, has tried to do a lot of different things, a lot of different strategies, but they've never quite been able to um, meet the goals of trying to bring in particularly um, um, Chicanx, Latinx, Native American, Pacific Islander students into their undergraduate ranks, and especially, especially in their graduate ranks um, it is it is um, and it will be in the nation and across the nation it is it is maintaining or perpetuating white hierarchy or white supremacy i mean on, honestly I mean, that's sort of about the, the the way to describe you know um w- the results of the ending of affirmative action i
0: i also have heard some students mention that there's not enough faculty um of color or faculty that look like them. Do you think that um, like right. Right. the ending of affirmative action will affect that too?
1: Oh yeah, because you can't be a faculty member unless you get a PhD, and you can't get a PhD unless you go. You know, um, typically it would be in a, a research institution. So if we're limiting the number, or not limiting, but if there the number of uh, of students of color entering graduate school is. Held down or not not being able to reach the the population they want to reach, that's just gonna have a longer term effect um, all the way through the system. So um, if you need a doctor to teach at California State University, which you do, um, but then there's so relatively few who are getting their degrees of the PhDs that are necessary, um, uh, and over as time goes in on, the goal is always to, to balance. Not only the student population, but the faculty population. And at California State University, I said we the student population I think is pretty balanced. Um, the faculty population is not, by far. Um, so that that is a whole different different nut to crack.
0: Thank you for touching on that important topic and aspect of, of education. I'm kind of um, moving like a little bit back up to what we were talking about with teaching institutions and funding. So. I'm curious to know how my teaching institutions support graduate students that want to pursue research, because you mentioned that they do have re- research opportunities, but not as much as as research institutions, because that's not their number one priority. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think um, you can touch on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, um, and this is just me talking, um, this is my opinion. So um, and I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people who disagree with me, but. Um, Sacramento State, where I work and where you went to school, is a dual-designated minority-serving institution. We are an Asian-serving institution, uh, APZ, as well as Hispanic-serving institution. Um, the designation only means that you have opportunities to apply for grants um, and um, federal funding. And some of that could be used to support graduate students. Um... And, um, again, this is my opinion, but I know that there are increasingly, um, particularly in California, some of the research institutions are really um, wanting to increase uh, their um, the, the population, trying to reach the 25% threshold for um, hispanic survey institutions. And so there's a couple um, University of California campuses that are hispanic survey institutions. And... They are also eligible to apply for um, grants, um, minority serving institution grants. In my opinion, there's so much more options and opportunities for research institutions um, to apply for funding that are limited uh, in the comprehensive and the teaching institutions. I, my opinion is, I think a lot of funding for uh, minority institutions should focus on the students who need it the most. And that's for students at comprehensives and um, teaching institutions. Um, quite honestly, I I know a lot of colleagues in community colleges, and you know, uh, well, even at CSU, our big effort is getting people to get their, their undergraduate degree, getting them prepared to go into graduate school if they want, if they they that's what they choose to do, um, have them totally prepared for that, or in the workforce. Um, and community colleges, quite honestly, getting people just to finish their first two years or finishing their first year of college. So you got to support students who need it the most. And in my opinion, um, a lot of the minority serving institution funding should really go to those institutions that need it the most um, to provide services and opportunities both in uh, in the practice but also in, in research opportunities, as well, um, and you can't get into a doctoral program unless you have a BA. You can't get a BA if if you're you're um, at a community college unless you you know been, uh, take on the prerequisites. So it really is starting at the foundational level. Um, so I guess going back to your question about support for um, you know uh, students at comprehensives. Um, not only applying for research grants, but the, the reality is the competition is so steep and research institutions just have the advantage. They've just got so much more resources. They've got so much more history in the research. They've got, um, they've got really well, well-developed grant funding arms uh, or, or arms that help write the grant. Um, so there's a disadvantage or there's an advantage just in that. So if we can level the playing field, Particularly for comprehensive's and and um, and community colleges. Um, I know there's been some partnerships between community colleges and CSU to do more research, and the ideal goal is to help them uh, get into um, doctoral programs. And in fact, I'll just pass along that you know, Mor- Morgan, you were part of Sacramento State. Uh, we have a yes. Pathways Fellows Program, which was funded by the Department of Education. Um, and it was specifically for minority-serving institutions. And the goal was to help, in in this particular uh, uh, case, help support students of color of any major to go on to programs um, with a particular research focus on education. So you are a perfect example of what the Pathways program or the funding from you know the um, minority uh, from the uh, Department of Education is intended to do to reach to the students who um, we want to support and get get you all as prepared and and aware of the opportunities um, in in the future in terms of um, higher education and in particular graduate school and, and, and doctoral mm-hmm. work. So um, you said uh, you, you, like me, didn't know anything about doctoral programs uh, because you're low-income, first-generation, as am I. But you learned a lot going through the Pathways yes. program. Um, you learned a lot because you, you actually worked for Full Circle Project. And so uh, we just need to do more of those kinds of things. And, you know, step-by-step step and person-by-person. Uh, um, and that I think is going to um, move the needle in terms of um, support for low-income first-generation students and and ideally getting more uh, low-income first-generation st- uh, students into doctoral programs and eventually becoming faculty members. It's, it's, it's um, a step-by-step process. It's, uh, uh, it, it does take- Yes, time. So that's
0: why I really value um like panel alumni panels, because then that's helping students understand that they can do what previous um, cohorts have done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And yes, the, to see early uh, someone who came from Sac State or went to a community college and then went into a doctoral program to meet people like that. Because um, I had no clue <laughs> uh, when, when, when I was an undergraduate. I said, oh, hmm, it'd be nice to work at an institution and be a faculty member, but I didn't know. I didn't even know what a PhD was, uh, and I, at the time I should have been—I should have been talking with my professors, but I never did, which was all you know, happenstance that I was fortunate to get into where I'm doing now, what I'm doing now. It was by accident, basically, and it, we want to be more in, 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 intentional.
0: Thank you for for sharing. Do you have any final thoughts or advice for first-generation graduate students who are unsure of which type of institution they might want to attend?
1: Yeah. Well, I think what I, I'll just say is that I do think that um, a student who's motivated, who, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've never, I've never, even when I was in community college, never got the quality of the students. I have always questioned the lack of opportunity. Um, and uh, I, I find it sad that there are people who are very highly, could do well in graduate program, but they just don't know. Uh, or, or higher education, they just don't know, um, or again, lack of support, maybe uh, obviously financial reasons. Um, I appreciate you talking with me and the work that you're doing because the ideal goal, um, really for affirmative action, was to increase the pipeline. Now that has been shut down. Affirmative action shut shut that part down, but hopefully there will be other ways. And probably won't be as efficient as ideally we'd like it to be, but we can't we can't take the eye off the prize. Um, we um, we can continue to do what we can to support um, um, deserving students to uh, get an education, not just a you know a doctorate, but just any profession. Um, one thing I really appreciate about um, being at California State University of Sacramento or, or, and, and at CSU. And and I, I always tell, pe- I tell people I always only want to teach at a CSU. I actually did not have any any desire to teach at a research one. And it's not because I don't think I can do the work, but I, I value the mission of the CSU system. And um, CSU is well known for what they call social mobility. Um that students who get their degrees from Sacramento State typically come from, you know, relatively modest income families, and once they get their degree and get a good job, maybe go into graduate school, that automatically increases not only their 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 salaries or their uh, economic opportunities, but it, it it enhances for the whole family. And that's exciting. I mean, I I I see all the time among my students that when they get a degree from from um, Sac State. Um, you know, I've been part of the Full Circle Project. They get a job. They wind up making more money than their their entire family. And then they tell their brothers and sisters and cousins and everybody else. And then the, the, the pipeline begins. Um, and so I highly value, and it, it happened for me too, personally, um, that social mobility. I mean, clearly I'm at a... At a professional level that my parents couldn't even dream about, um, had no idea really even existed. So it's, it's providing the opportunities for people that should not be, that should not be shut down.
0: Thank you so much for, um, being here and sharing your insight and answering all of my questions. I really appreciate your insight and education and experience within all of the, um, different institutions. And, um, That wraps up this episode of Varying Viewpoints. I just want to thank everyone for listening.